This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we give you the latest information on Keystone Flex and its pay-as-you-go subscription model. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today we have a couple of guests to talk to us about Keystone. Uh, So here to join us, Arun Rahman is on the phone. So Arun, what do you do here at NetApp and how do I reach you? Hey Justin, Uh, good to talk to you again and thanks for having me in your podcast. Yeah, my name is Arun Rahman, product manager in Keystone program responsible for the service offering and also managing the Keystone management platform called as NetApp Service Engine. And I can be reached through uh, through the official email, arun.raman at netapp.com. All right, excellent. Also with us today, uh, Pavan Pandaranga is here. So Pavan, what do you do and how do I reach you? Hey, Justin. Um, Thanks for having us here and uh, quite excited uh, to speak on this podcast. So I'm Pavan Panduranga. I'm one of the product managers working on Keystone Flex subscriptions at NetApp. And I can be reached at P-P-A-N-D-U-R-A at netapp.com. All right. Excellent. And if you can't write that down on, you know, while you're listening to the podcast, we'll definitely have that in the blog as well. So you can, you can reference that. All right. So uh, like I mentioned today, we're here to talk about Keystone um, and specifically Keystone Flex, because that was just released as a GA uh, in the past week. But before we get into Keystone Flex, let's level set and let's talk about Keystone itself. So Arun, what is Keystone? Yeah, so Keystone was first uh, announced in October of 2019 at our Insight event. And in essence, Keystone is a portfolio of programs, right? So um, it is available in two options. And we have it in Flex Pay and another one called Flex Subscription. So for organizations that are looking for like traditional financing arrangements, NetApp Flex Play offers the customer's choices of financing, the leasing, and uh, the variable term lens. And customers can also decide to own or rent uh, the NetApp uh, storage assets. And for organizations that want flexibility, that are looking to retain more control, Flex Pay is the right fit, right? And the other option is the Flex subscription, which we'll be talking mostly in this podcast, is a complete OPEX model with no asset ownership that allows the customer to pay for the capacity they need and that they pay for as it is getting consumed. So through a sim- single subscription, uh, the enterprise or the customer can uh, consume storage across our portfolio, right from on-tap, whether it could be storage grid or E-series, and we can deliver a cloud-like experience from the customer's data center itself. And all they have to do is uh, they commit to a capacity, say, a minimum of 100 terabytes, and we offer uh, 20% of buffer capacity on top of it, and uh, with a minimum contract of one year. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So what problem is Keystone trying to solve? Like, what exactly are we trying to do that we couldn't do before? Yeah, so this is mostly for the customers uh, who are shifting their buying pattern. Right, So they are moving their IT budget money away from their capital expenditure to the operating expense. So that's where this becomes as a service. And also they need not know about what the solution is, what the hardware is. 
as long as they get the service they subscribe to. So similar to what they would uh, experience in a public cloud, right? They log into AWS or Azure, they subscribe to a storage, they get a particular performance. They're not worried about how it's managed behind the scenes, what kind of hardware that's sitting behind the scenes, right? So it, so for the customers who wanted to uh, operate, um, move from a CapEx to an OpEx model, and also uh, who wanted an hybrid kind of a model, right? The choice of where they wanted to have the data based upon the cost, performance, the complaints, et cetera. So for those customers, Keystone is a completely a perfect solution. So tell us a little bit more about how to find that as well as what it is. Yeah, so Keystone Flex subscription, uh, as I said, it's available from uh, last from one year. So we announced more enhancements to the existing service. Um, so the details can be found at our netapp.com, or if you want more details, you can also try explore.netapp.com, where you can enter, hey, what you're looking for in terms of the workloads, what is your preference, uh, in terms of where you want to locate the data, it's uh, private, public, or hybrid. Then it can show here what the different offerings are from NetApp, and Keystone might be one. And uh, it, it also gives you a lot of information on uh, what, what, how do you start with and what the different service levels we are offering. So that's one, one way to start. Otherwise, of course, you can talk to our partners as well as the NetApp sales team uh, who can provide more details to start with. In terms of really starting, what they are looking for is um, we, there is a service catalog with uh, uh, different storage service levels based upon performance. They can pick and choose what they want depending upon the workload. For example, if they have AI or uh, database kind of workload, we have a service level called Extreme, which provides say, for example, 6,000 IOPS per terabyte. And we have the uh, value kind of a service here, which doesn't offer that kind of a performance, but you can use it for a backup at, at a much reduced price. So you have this broad spectrum of storage service levels which you can pick and choose depending upon what the applications you want to load. And uh, then um, say, how do you want to manage it? Uh, basically, whether you want a white glove service where you really don't want to play with the storage on every day, managing and operating it uh, with NetApp, we, we will operate it remotely, monitor it remotely, optimize it remotely. And all you have is a, a self-service portal where you can provision storage and manage the subscription as well. So this portal that we have, is it something that I have to install in my environment or is it something that's cloud resident, meaning I can go to a, a web page and just access it? Yeah, so with the Keystone uh, Flex subscription, uh, everything is uh, owned by NetApp and NetApp installs all the equipments and the software that is required to serve the service in the customer data center. The customer doesn't in need to install anything, right? So in this case, the port service portal is called the NetApp service engine as installed at the customer data center. And uh, once they log in, they are presented with a dashboard to say, hey, these are the services that you're subscribed for, and this is how much you're really using, right? And it is also an orchestration tool uh, where you can provision storage. Um, say you can create a, a 10 terabyte of file share to connect to your, uh, uh, to your web services. And in case if you want to increase it, back it up, take a snapshot, restore, all the operations can be done from the self-service portal itself. When you have this service portal, like you can manage on-prem, you can manage cloud. With, with the cloud instances, is it every cloud instance that we have out there, or are there specific limitations to what you can use with that cloud instance? Yeah, so with the announcements that we brought in, um, or, uh, announced last week, 
in addition to the keystone services that we deploy on-prem, now customers, if they already have a Azure NetApp file or uh, a Cloud Volume service or uh, even a Cloud Volumes on tap, they can register those services with um, NSE or NetApp Service Engine and have it as a single management plane to manage both your on-prem service as well as your public cloud service. So the announcement we made last week supports only the Azure NetApp files, but in part of the roadmap, which is coming in the next few weeks and following months, we'll cover the other hyperscalers as well. With your on-prem instances, does that cover any ONTAP version or is there a version limitation? Meaning, you know, if I have ONTAP 9.1, will I be able to use this? No, the beauty of this is the customer doesn't need to know about all these versions, right? So they are subscribing to a to a service. All they are saying, hey, I need extreme service level of 100 terabytes and say a value of one petabyte. And depending upon what they are subscribing to, NetApp decides or the Keystone team decides what the right hardware to deploy and the right software version. So uh, as part of our uh, bill of materials or portfolio, so we normally deploy the latest and the greatest software as also the latest uh, hardware that can provide the service with confidence. So this really helps the customer, right, from their their day-to-day activities on the storage management. And they also need not worry about any tech refresh activities, right? So because if if there is an issue, it's a responsibility of NetApp. If you are not meeting the service that the customer is subscribed to, NetApp will uh, make sure we deploy additional controllers or additional shells to meet those demands. One thing that I'd like to add to what Arun mentioned is that when it comes to abstraction in terms of them not having to know, you know which version of ONTAP or storage grid web scale that is underlying down there, uh, the Keystone service architects who get involved as part of the deployment process, they also do provide information to the customers in terms of what is the environmentals, in terms of the power and cooling requirements, the rack space requirements, so that they can be better prepared when we put the equipment down there that they know as to what needs to be provisioned. So that's definitely talked through and discussed prior to any deployments that occur. So what sort of services does Keystone Flex offer? Is there you know anything in, in addition to the ANF piece? Absolutely. So as Arun was mentioning earlier, you know, we have a portfolio of storage services that are targeted for specific workloads. So we have file and block storage services that are differentiated by performance characterization, and that targets analytics, database, file shares, and backup target workloads, namely extreme, premium, standard services. Along with that, we also added value service tier recently. And also, apart from the file and block storage services, we have the object services for media repository and archival workloads. We also have block storage services that are based out of our E-series storage platform, and those are targeted towards high-performance computing, video surveillance, and backup workloads. On top of that, we have also had the data protection basic, and we also offer data protection advanced and data tiering services. So what exactly is data protection advanced? So let me uh, back up a little bit and then you know, explain what data protection basic is all about so that we can set the context for data protection advanced. 
so we have a data protection basic offering that's an add-on offering, which is basically for backup, disaster recovery, and business continuity use cases. It enables NetApp's SnapVault and SnapMirror capabilities that are offered on top of the file and block storage services. Now, coming to data protection advanced, this is an add-on offering for business continuity and disaster recovery purposes with the zero data loss as the recovery point objective. This is nothing but enabling the NetApp's Metro cluster capability that is offered top of our file and block storage services. And this is the add-on offering that provides the ability to synchronously replicate the data to the remote sites. How does the support model work for this? Um, you know, If I want to get support for something that isn't working properly, do I call into the regular support channels or is there a special way I have to go to, to get support for Keystone Flex? We do have a global support. Um, and we do have specific keystone specific numbers that can be reached upon. Depending upon the uh, model, uh, there could be uh, different uh, entities that could be responding to this. So the, the reason why I said different models is if it is partner-led model, wherein the partner is responsible for end-to-end -end service delivery, then the customer would actually reach out to the partner's support so that they can take the first calls. And you know they can also do the L1 and L2 if they are uh, having the relevant certification levels as a partner. And then L3 can come to us. Now, if it is more of a direct or a sell with kind of an opportunity where the uh, contract is signed with NetApp, in those cases, yes, they can reach out to NetApp over these Keystone specific um, phone number and then we can get the support out to them. In terms of the contract by itself, the support contract is not anything that is um, outside of the contract of the service by itself. So the support and the uh, the maintenance, it comes along with a subscription and they don't have to pay for anything that is outside of the subscription price by itself. Yeah, in addition to that, uh, it's all proactive, right? So what do you mean by that is we have a remote monitoring team um, and also we deploy additional softwares at the customer data center to monitor all the equipments that we are deploying and send alerts um, to our backend operations team to make sure if there is any issue that we are seeing, we fix that immediately. And in case if the customer wants to report, um, as Pavan said, yes, they can call a 1-8 number specific to Keystone. They can send an email or they can use the NetApp service engine portal and submit a service request or raise a uh, support ticket and follow, follow it using the portal itself. So there are multiple ways to reach the support. And uh, in, most, in most cases, uh, our remote monitoring operations team can capture those issues before even customer can see that. So does this tie into any of the other services we offer, such as Project Astra or um, you know, uh, any of the other cloud offerings that we're, we're doing, like Cloud Manager? Not today. Um, so uh, the Keystone is predominantly, as of today, is, uh, is a storage as a service. And uh, in future releases, probably sometime next year, we will be working along with the Project Astra to see how we can um, combine everything into one kind of a service model. Right. So that's something work in progress. And with Cloud Manager, so do we interact with the Cloud Manager internally to make sure we, uh, whenever they, we have to make any modifications in the ANF or the CVS services, everything is uh, through the cloud manager. So if you could break it down for me with, with the Keystone piece, you know, and I, the way I want you to break it down is this. So give it to me in terms of if I'm the field, if I'm trying to sell this, like what would I do? And then give it to me also as a customer, like why would I want this? So from a customer point of view, uh, 
Yeah. So if their buying pattern is moving from a capital expenditure to an OPEX, yes, this is the perfect way to consume storage, right? So where they are paying every month instead of buying everything up front, right? And this also allows them to uh, be uh, not over-provisioned, right, and grow as their business needs. So in a typical model, there's capital expenditure because of their budget allocate, uh, allocation, they might buy a, a, a storage needs that might require for the entire year or for two years. But in this case of Keystone, they can start as small as 100 terabytes. And in the next three months, if they want to grow to 200 terabytes, Yes, they can order those capacity and grow, right? So that gives them a predictable prof, uh, uh, a predictable forecast and a budget model. And secondly, uh, yes, for, if they want to go to an OPEX, well, of course, they can go to the public cloud. But uh, if they are worried about the security and need to have a predictable performance and uh, suitable for their business critical uh, applications, and if they are, these are their primary concerns, then Keystone provides a cloud-like experience for them in, within their data center itself, right? I believe th these would be the, um, uh, some of the use cases where or the needs where the customer can uh, go to a Keystone kind of a model. Um, Pavan, do you want to add anything more? Sure. Yeah, I think uh, apart from you know, what is it in it for the customers uh, in terms of looking at Keystone Flex subscription, which provides a cloud-like experience, uh, the other question that you had, Justin, was with respect to you know what is it in it for sales, right? Uh, so basically, for sales, it is more around being able to respond to the customer requirements. There are more and more customers who are out there who have been moving away from the capitalized expenses-based model to the OPEX-based model, as Arun was mentioning. And there have been requests that are coming through. And it is very important that NetApp has Keystone Flex subscription within the portfolio to cater those to, to those needs. And the second thing is also about the sales model by itself. You know, when you're looking at capital sale, it is usually one time, right? And then you're done with that. And then you got to go back three years later or four years later for a refresh. And that's a whole new ballgame altogether. In the case of a subscription like Keystone Flex subscription, you know, sales will have to basically get the customer onboarded and we deliver the services and it becomes more of an annuity or a recurring kind of a stream, even for sales in the way that they can actually, uh, uh, you know, earn their compensation. So they can sell it. We can get the customer on the auto renewal mode and in annual perpetuity, it keeps renewing. And if it's a multi-term, you know, it's much better for the sales reps. They can get the multi-term contract signed with the customer. And then after the multi-term contract, once again, there is perpetuate, in perpetuity annual auto-renewals that are set in place, unless the customer doesn't, dis, you know, uh, would want to auto-renew. So that's a, that's a good, you know, kind of a... Um, uh, situation for the sales reps where the hunting aspect is reduced as compared to the capital sales. It's not a whole new ball game altogether, and they get to leverage the benefits of the annuity and the recurring streams. Going back a bit where we talked about being able to manage both cloud and on-prem workloads, um, mm -hmm. with the subscription model, how does that work for things that I've already bought? So if I've already got, if I've got an on-prem cluster, I've already paid for that capacity. Is it basically trying to corral all that to make it a chargeback to their own end users so they can have kind of a managed service of their own? How, how does that work with the subscription model? 
Yeah, so this is not a managed service, right? So with the Keystone, um, as of today, the, the offering is yeah, they need to buy the storage itself. So we are not converting their existing infrastructure into a subscription model. So that's not part of the offering. Um, it is a fresh thing, right? So they say, hey, I need 100 terabytes of particular service. Then we deploy a new cluster, right? Mm-hmm. And we can offer to uh, attach to their existing cluster but uh, mostly for the migration purpose, right? If there is a tech refresh opportunity and if they want to move the data from their existing cluster into the Keystone, yes, we can attach to it. And we have a certain time period uh, within which they have to move all the data. And then Keystone cluster is independent, right? Because we have all the uh, assigned SLAs and the guarantees goes along with the service offering. And we need to have a complete control of what we are uh, monitoring and what we are providing, right? That's one of the reasons and other other one is the legality of, uh, of how to mix multiple ownership into a single service. You can go ahead subscribe for Keystone Flex subscription and don't have to worry about any future refresh, any future migration, right? So it is on NetApp. They keep paying for the subscription based on the rates that have been agreed upon. And as in when over a period of time, as they keep auto renewing, if it absolutely needs for NetApp to go in and refresh the equipment in order to ensure that we keep delivering the services, then it's on us. We can go ahead and we can refresh that, provided that we provide some kind of a downtime and it's agreed upon and we can go ahead and get those systems in place to be refreshed and also ensure that the data be migrated from those older systems to the newer systems. And all of that is on NetApp. So. The customer need not have to worry about any of those as long as they are subscribed and they keep going with Keystone Flex subscription. So with these clusters that you're you know selling with Keystone, are you selling them with more capacity than you know they're basically paying for as a scri- subscription so they can unlock more later? So it's basically like kind of like a, a software-based lock on that on that particular capacity, or is it just your you know if you if you buy a hundred terabytes, there's a physical hundred terabytes there and you just buy more stuff storage later on so the way that it works is you know when they subscribe or commit to 100 terabytes what we actually do is that when we deploy the equipment down there we ensure that at least 20 percent over the committed capacity is available on-prem to ensure that we cater to the burst capacity requirements now anything beyond that it all depends upon what the physical equipment that we put there and the shelves and the drives that we put out there there could be scenarios where there could be additional capacity more than 120 percentage that will be available on prem in those cases if the customer requirements evolve over a period of time and there are capacity growth requirements then we can go ahead and provision that additional capacity based on an order request from the customer and make it uh, available for provisioning purposes as soon as as possible. Now, let's imagine that you know we do have a, a limit in terms of the physical capacity being out there, which is you know more than the 120% as what they might have earlier subscribed for. In those cases, when they have the capacity growth requirements, we don't have the available capacity physically on-prem, then we recommend that they involve our customer success manager who is going to be available for the uh, for the customer and they will have cadence-based meetings, hopefully, you know, on a monthly scale, where you know they can have the discussions around. Hey, I'm already at seventy percent. I'm already at eighty percent. 
you know, why don't we, you know, go ahead and schedule some kind of an add-on of a shelf so that we be prepared for your future capacity growth needs. And based on the agreement, we can get the orders down and ensure that within, you know, about two to four weeks, depending upon the location, we ship the additional shelves or additional equipment as needed, get them provisioned and be made available for consumption. So is there a way for them to build in a buffer ahead of time, right? So, I mean, I I get that they can start the order process when they hit a percentage of capacity, but sometimes that capacity grows faster than they can get the shelves in. So how do they avoid situations where they're kind of scrambling to free up space? Absolutely. So there uh, have been scenarios, there have been uh, live customers who are out there who have gotten into contracts with us where they state that today, I would start off with 100 terabytes, and on a monthly basis, I have a 50 terabytes requirement, or on a monthly basis, my capacity growth needs are 10% over the prior months. So they provide that capacity growth ramp predictions to us as part of the contract, and we go ahead and ensure that we deploy the equipment as needed so that we don't have to get into the data centers every month so that we can plan it out, provision it, as in when it is needed, maybe over a six-month or a one-year period, we can always go ahead and add shelves, but we know what the growth requirements are, and we can make it available uh, as, a, as a preemptive uh, function. As, uh, but, but all of this has to go into the contract. Yeah, an important point is they're not paying for this additional capacity, right? Uh, so we are anticipating, based upon their customer inputs, and putting those additional storage, uh, and it is available for them when they want to consume, right? So whenever they increase their committed capacity or whenever they're using it as a buffer, it's already there, and that's when they'll be invoiced. Yeah, as an illustration, you know, let's let's say that month one, they want to start at 100 terabytes, but then as part of the contract, they go out and state that we would need about 600 terabytes by the end of month six. So what we really do is 600 times 1.2 or 120% of that, which is roughly about 720 terabytes, can be deployed down there. The first month, they're only paying for 100. Maybe for the second month, they pay for 200. The third month, it's a 300, depending upon their growth ramp as what they would have provided in the contract. And as a result of which they can get to save dollars. Yeah, they don't have to pay for all of the 700 terabytes upfront today itself. It can be built in arrears or it can also be built in advance if needed, depending upon the payment structure. Yeah, so we also do monitor the customer usage as well as, um, as Pavan was saying, we have a personal call Keystone Success Manager who will be in constant touch with the customer to understand what their growth patterns are and if there is any sudden need of uh, more capacity, then yeah, giving an advance notice to us will help us to expedite the process, make sure the equipments are shipped and uh, we get the access to the data center and the install team can deploy that. about other things like, you know, enabling fabric pool and, and using cloud tiering to kind of offset some of those capacity concerns? Does that tie into Keystone at all or is that something that's independent of Keystone? Absolutely. It ties into the Keystone portfolio. So there are data tiering services that we offer uh, that are added into the file and block storage services portfolio. It enables the NetApps fabric pool technology by automating the tiering of colder data to the low cost storage tiers. 
So what we do is, you know, these services, uh, in terms of the value proposition to the customers, they provide significant cost savings to the customers. And also that the value to the customers, it not only comes in the form of uh, the service, uh, including just the auto tiering capability, but also the cost of the hot and the cold storage tiers are included as part of the service cost. As long as the cold data, it is stored on Keystone Flex subscription provided on-prem storage. Now, if there is a third-party storage that they would want to tear it out to, be it either on-prem or to any other cloud, public cloud services, the cost of the storage of those third-party storage is upon the customer. And, and also that these are the services that we have bundled along with our extreme and premium service level-based file and block storage services. And one of the other things that comes along with the data tiering service is that we pre-configure it. We pre-configure it with 25% of the subscribed capacity with the extreme or premium service level, depending upon the target IOS per terabyte and the IO density that they have as a requirement. While the remaining 75% of the subscribed capacity, it is configured with the cheaper storage tiers for cold data. From a pricing standpoint, they just have to pay a dollar per terabyte per month for the entire subscribed committed capacity. And we take care of ensuring that based on the policies as and when the data gets cold, we tier the data into the cheaper colder storage. And this is completely unique to Keystone, right? So if the customer is choosing some other services and if their application demands low latency, they need to go for their highest performance, which is uh, which is also the highly priced, right? But it, when when it comes to Keystone, you have this flexibility where you need not pay the highest cost for all your data or all your uh, the committed capacity. You can go in for the, the the service tier with the tiering capability, for which you're paying only the highest cost for your twenty five percent of your commitment. For the seventy five percent of your commitment, there is a lower price, right? So blended price of uh, this particular service level is much, much cheaper. And I uh, don't think anyone else has this capability at all. And thanks to Fabric Pool. So given that we have Fabric Pool support with you know pretty much any S3 provider, including Storage Grid, I would imagine Keystone also can manage your Storage Grid instances as well. That is right. So Storage Grid can be offered as a separate object as a service when customer just wants S3, um, they have S3 clients and want uh, uh, S3 service, then we offer storage grade. But when it comes to Fabric Pool, um, the customer is just buying a tiering as a service, right? And if they wanted everything on-prem, we will deploy storage grade behind the scenes. And if the customer has already has some kind of an agreement with uh, the cloud and they want to pay the pay for the uh, the Azure or the AWS S3 directly, we offer that, uh, um, that offering as well through Keystone. So both the flexibilities are available. Again, the beauty of this thing is the customer doesn't need to know there's a storage grid behind the scenes, right? So we can uh, deploy storage grid configuration. And also we could go with ONTAP as well, right? So with the 9.8, ONTAP supports um, S3 and can be used for the low-cost storage. And depending upon the customer configuration and the capacity they're committing to, it's totally up to NetApp choice on what the architecture that we need to deploy. So when is that decision made? Like when do, when you do like say an S3 as a service, when does it choose NetApp uh, on tap for S3 versus Storage Grid? 
Yeah, so one is depending upon the capacity and uh, also depending upon what the capabilities they're looking at, right? If it's a pure object as a service that they're looking at, then of course, storage grid is our um, the, the best option, right? Because it provides all the ILM policies, all the metadata management, uh, the geo distribution, et cetera. So th that's our first choice. But when it comes to the fabric pool, uh, just to store the cold data, and if the capacity, say, is less than 300 terabytes or 500 terabytes, then we probably might prefer on tap because that gives the best cost and a smaller deployment compared to the storage grid. So it's, yeah, I, it's totally an internal decision that we take, uh, uh, but these are not something that the customer can decide, hey, I need on tap or I need storage grid. I'd like to add that it's more about uh, the footprint, right? As, well, as what Aaron was mentioning, you know, if it is lower capacities, it's better even for our customers to ensure that you know there is not a larger footprint in their data centers by deploying the storage grid. On a need basis, we take the call. We need we would ensure that we optimize the equipment that is going to be sitting down there as a target for fabric pool, whether be it on tap based or be it storage grid web scale based. And 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 as Arun was mentioning, yeah, the boot is they just subscribe for the service, and we deliver the services. And everything that is behind the scenes is abstracted out. You know, you mentioned capacity being a concern, and you know what sort of things you're doing. Is that a, I mean the customer is the customer having to think about these things, or are they just clicking a button and then we do all that for them? So it's more about them requesting for the service through our um, sales or through the partners at the point of sale of the first subscription activation, right? Oh, so okay. they request for that, and then we take care of everything in the uh, behind the scenes, and they don't have to bother about any of these. Now, once it's been deployed, now if there are any additional service requirements needed or additional capacity that needs to be added, yes, you know, it's more of like requesting it through the orchestration tool, wherein our customer success manager also gets involved. And based on that, we submit just for an order, and that order needs to be approved by the customer. And once it is through, we would go ahead and ensure as to what needs to be deployed. You know, they don't have to worry about, okay, is this a 24 by 7.6 terabyte shells or is this E-series? As long as, you know, we know that what services or what capacity needs to be added to which service, it's all more of a role of the Keystone architecture team and the team behind Keystone to determine as to what do we need to do and what equipment and bomb do we need to put in place by providing all the bomb related environmentals and the rack and cooling and, and then the power information to be provided to the customers. Only thing that yeah, they've got to be concerned about, concerned about is these things, right? So they need to know those things and we put the uh, equipment down there, they get the capacity, and they get the services delivered as per the target performance and the use cases that they would have requested these services for. So what sort of use cases are you seeing out there for this particular service? Like what are they what is the most common thing being done out there? So in terms of the use case uh, for the flex subscription itself, uh, the customers, you know, they're looking to transition uh, to the financial bookkeeping from capitalized expenses to operational expenses, as what Arun was talking about earlier. You know, they, they also would want to run their workloads 
you know, either on-prem or on cloud, you know, they could make those decisions based on the factors of cost, performance, security, and compliance. And based on any of these requirements, they can, you know, actually run the workloads on-prem if needed. And that can be provided through a cloud-like experience with Keystone Flex subscription, right? And, and also there are customers who are transient. You know, they are actually wanting to move their workloads back and forth between on-prem and cloud deployments. There could be burst scenarios where they would want to burst. And in the meanwhile, they could burst probably into the cloud. So those are some of the use cases. And all of that comes along with the flexibility in the operations that they can conduct, wherein there is predictability in the billing by itself. So these are more of you know the use cases specific to the Keystone Flex subscription. Now, when it comes to the workloads use cases, yeah, as mentioned earlier, we do have a wide portfolio. We do support analytics, database, file shares, backups, and 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 targets for backups. Along with that, you know, the disaster recovery kind of use cases, the business continuity use cases, all of those, along with tiering of the cold data, are supported as part of the Keystone Flex subscription today. Yeah, so we also have customers who also want to get rid of their number of data centers that they're managing, right? And also the the amount of time they're spending on the storage management rather than spending on some business initiatives. So we have a few customers that are signed Keystone um, and where they are moving their storage infrastructure into Equinix kind of a colo and they wanted NetApp to provide the storage and manage it, and they just consume it as any other um, uh, storage as a service, right? So that way, they do not have any NetApp specialist to maintain or do this day-to-day operations or day-to-day storage management, and they can repurpose them for other business initiatives, the data management, and those kind of stuff. Um, yeah, this is one of the few, uh, one of the other use cases that we are seeing quite commonly. Another use case that I could think of, Justin, is uh, where there are service providers who have been typically offering services to our end customers, right, our, our, their own end customers. And what they have been doing is they have been purchasing the equipment from us, and they have been uh, indeed offering a OPEX kind of a model to their end customers while they're hosting the equipment. Now, the 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 advantage of the Keystone Flex subscription to these service providers is that now they don't have to worry about their cash flows. They can actually subscribe to our services. They can actually pay us either on an annual basis or on a monthly basis, depending upon their business model in terms of how they would want to pay. And they can do so, right? They can convert their business and ensure that their business model is very much aligned with the way that they actually also generate their revenue. So their cost structure and their revenue models are going to be aligned if you know they were to go with Keystone Flex subscription. So we have quite a lot of service providers today who are very much interested, and we are in discussions with those service providers who would want to actually align their business models. And, and that is one of the use cases that we are also seeing with Keystone Flex subscription. How would a customer pay for this? Like, What is the option they have to do that? That's a great question. So we have uh, flexibility in the way that the customers or the partners can pay us. Uh, we do have monthly billing in arrears where the customer can sign up for this kind of a billing frequency. They get to consume the services. We invoice them on a monthly basis for both the committed capacity as well as the burst capacity in their invoices with separate line items for both the committed and the burst capacity. And on top of that, we do also have 
annual payment in advance that was added as a recent uh, option for the billing frequencies. So with that, you know, the customer basically would sign up for this billing frequency, wherein they actually end up paying for the services at the beginning of the term. As an example, if it is a three-year term, then they pay one-third of it today. And then one year later, they come back and pay the second one-third. And then two years later, they come back and pay the third one-third. So all of that is paid in advance by the end customer or the partner to us. One of the key aspects that comes along with annual payment in advance is that there is a pricing advantage. They get a cheaper price, roughly about 9% than the monthly payment billing in arrears option. And along with that, there is an added differentiator. With this option of annual payment in advance, we also allow the customers to flex down their capacity. What we mean by that is that the committed capacity can be reduced up to 25% every year that will take into effect at the time of the next annual invoice cycle in the context of multi-year term-based subscriptions. So is this available anywhere I want it or is there some restriction on where I can get it? Uh, so Justin, today we are uh, available in 17 countries. Uh, we are available in United States, Canada, Australia, Japan, India, Hong Kong, Singapore, United Kingdom, Germany, France, Spain, Italy, Switzerland, Belgium, Netherlands, Austria, and Israel. Uh, some of the company, uh, some of the countries do require certain uh, clearances. Uh, they can certainly, in in fact, the our sales reps can reach out to ng-keystone-help at netapp.com if they have any opportunities with respect to the countries that I listed. And also, if they have any requirements outside of these countries, they can reach out to this NG distribution list. And we can go ahead and see as to what the opportunity is. And based on that, we can either enable some of these countries through a different model. Uh, there are certain uh, business, there are certain uh, deals that have come through recently where we also you know worked on countries that are outside of these 17 countries these are for our global customers where we had to draw certain exceptions where we could offer these services to our partner wherein the partner could purchase the equipment from us on a capital sale or it could even be financed and then they in fact could wrap around our netapp service engine and all the operational services aspects that come along with keystone on top of the equipment that they would be purchasing and offer it as a service so that we being the service enabler to the partner who can actually go ahead and provide as a service to their end customers. All right, Arun, Pravin, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, where would I find more information about Keystone? For more information, you can go to uh, uh, www.netapp.com and search for Keystone. Or uh, go to explore.netapp.com, give some inputs on what you're looking for. And if Keystone is the right option, uh, it'll pop up and provide more details to you. Okay. And Arun, how would we reach you if you want more information? Uh, you can reach me through the official email, uh, arun.raman at netapp.com, or through our ng, ng-keystone-help at netapp.com. And Pavan? I can be reached out at P-P-A-N-D-U-R-A at netapp.com or even pavan.panduranga at netapp.com. Else, I can definitely be reached out through our NG distribution list. That's ng-keystone-help at netapp.com. All right, excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Alright, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Arun Raman and Pavan Pandoranga for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.